0: This is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. Well, just excited excited to be here with you guys. I was at our Warren campus last week, and God really moved there and just powerful things. By the way, do you know our Warren campus, God is just doing a lot of amazing things. Things um, from last year, they're they're up twenty people uh, on a weekly attendance. Just like here, uh, it's about forty or sixty people here, and God is moving. People are getting saved. I'm hearing miracles all the time, um, and I wanted to open the sermon actually with a couple miracles. Um, we we had a a little baby. Some of you guys know Liz and Cody Marshall, and if you're in our digital prayer group on on Facebook, it's a it's a group on there you might have seen that uh, their little girl, Hallie, or Haley, how do I pronounce it? Is it Hallie, right? Okay, she, she had fallen a long way and hit cement, and it could have been really, 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 really bad. Uh, but the doctor said these words, you're very, very, very lucky. How many know Jesus, right? I think, I think God had an angel right there, because while there's some uh, bleeding, the, the doctor believes that she's going to be okay, and that she's going to have a recovery that is going to be okay. So let's just praise God for that. Let's put our hands together and say thank you, Jesus. Some of you guys uh, know Mr. Byler, um, who had some cardiac arrest things going on and still not sure what happened, but we know it was a miracle. Can you stand up real quick, my friend? He helps us with communion and all kinds of things. And fun fact, they're also good, they're also amazing cooks. So we're all coming to your place for lunch again. Um, But God's been doing a lot of amazing things. I have more to tell, but I don't have time to tell. But God is always moving. Amen? We're in this series called Guess Who, and we're talking about identity, and we're talking about who we are as people, right? And we opened up with our identity and our faith, and Will did an amazing job. Um, Let's put our hands together for Will two weeks ago, right? I'm going to ask you to put your hands together one more time for Pastor Dave, did an amazing job, who tackled a lot, of, a lot of really important issues uh, last week. And if you missed that sermon, be sure to go on our podcast or YouTube and find that because uh, it's really important stuff. Today, we're talking about who we are and our identity, who we are in our identity. You know, we all grew up with an interesting family life and all of our family life uh, was different. We all had different dynamics. I don't know what your family life was like. Uh, I grew up, we grew up with a lot of laughing. Uh, we grew up with, um, you know, a good work ethic. Uh, my dad definitely taught us how to work hard. Sometimes I think he taught me to dig holes just for the fun of it. Um, he's like, you look bored. Let's <laughs> go dig a hole. But uh, I also saw my parents, while, while we grew up very financially tight, my parents were incredibly generous. They were always giving things away all the time. Uh, the vehicles were always being borrowed. My own car, by the way, that I thought was mine, turns out it was not mine. Like, well, who's taking my car? He's like, it's God's. I'm like, oh, I thought it was mine. But um, I, we, that's that's how I grew up, um, and you know, just just a lot of really good a lot of really good memories. Church was life. Right? How many of you guys grew up Sunday night, Wednesday night? Who grew up like that? Right? About, about 40% of you, yeah. And so, man, it was amazing, amazing childhood. Devotions every night and um, good stuff. Each of us grew up with different family dynamics. And I want to say this. We are creating the memories that our children will have. We are creating the memories that our children will have. Um, fun fact, your children will copy a lot of your behavior. <laughs> Some of you are like, ooh, <laughs> Some are like, is this good news? Sobering, right? Uh, parents, parents, you're creating a culture in your home with the words that you're using. We're going to come back to that. So there are a lot of many roles in the family And some of this is going to sound very basic today, but what I have learned in pastoring these last six years is some of the things that um, I feel are basic need preached. Um, There's a lot of grown adults who don't, that are Christians, that love the Lord, that come to church, but don't actually honor mom and dad. So let's talk about some of these verses. As we enter each season of life, we take on new roles, and it's very important to be aware of that new role. So, just, fun, just, just for fun, how many of you have entered the grandparent stage? Can you raise your hand? Well, raise it a little bit higher. Come on, we probably, some are like, uh, right? It's a beautiful thing. I mean, right? You, you can just sugar up the kids and send them home, and that's just awesome. It's just great. You just say yes to everything, and we're the enemy, but that's cool. Grandparents have this amazing opportunity. Grandparents, please hear me. You have this amazing opportunity to be teaching kids, your grandkids, all the wisdom that God has poured into you over ice cream, of course. But you can be passing down so much wisdom. So let's talk about some of these roles that the Bible gives us. Role of a child, right? And many of you still, your parents are, are still alive, so I want you to hear this. This doesn't, this verse does not go away when you become 30 or 40 or 50. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, so that you may have a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. All right? This is not just, oh no, that's Jewish custom. No, it's the Bible. Turn to your neighbor and say that's the Bible. And no matter how difficult, right, maybe father-in-law or mother-in-law or mom or dad could be, keep in mind they're also entering a new season, right? They're entering new seasons with new challenges. And honor is always a choice. We can always show honor. Amen? Husband and wife, Genesis 3, right? Look at this. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. And when you hear that, and we haven't preached from Genesis since, I think it was like February, some of us think, like, how could someone be deceived by a snake? Well, keep in mind, this was actually a beautiful angel. It wasn't a snake yet, right? This is, this is a, an angel that God had created. And so in, this, in the Bible, we see these, these attributes given, these roles given, And these roles, our society wants to say no, right? So the biblical sexuality, right, that Jesse talked about earlier, like literally this weekend, one of the largest churches, guys, not like, hey, we welcome you. No, we affirm, affirming um, homosexuality and LGBTQ. And you, you have thousands of people being led astray, all the time, especially this weekend. And I believe the, in the, the wheat in the tare is going to be harder and harder as Jesus is about to come back. How many believe that? Well, it's one thing, though, to, to point, right, and say something that's obvious like that, that is obvious to you as you're reading and as your life group or your pastor is teaching you and you're embracing but it's another thing to truly embrace all that the Bible says about these roles because even the role of a husband having leadership in a home can be very difficult for, for Christians. So check out Ephesians chapter 5. Turn to your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm not going to have the verses on the screen today. You can open your Bible app or the notes um, on the notes uh, page of a website. Or just scroll in your Bible. Or your real Bible. How many of you guys got the real Bible? I love the, the sound. Come on, Pastor Jason. The old school. That's what I'm saying. You're an old soul. Love it. Somebody just called me that the other day. You're an old soul. I'm like Because I was listening to the jazz music. Anyway, ADD. All right, listen to this. Ephesians 5. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, caring for her just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water of the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy. And blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love your wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one hates his own flesh, but cares for it, provides for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father. You see this organizational structure that God created right here in scripture. It's very clear. Husband will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. To sum it up, each of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Now, there's a lot of great teachings, a lot of great books out there on this. Dr. Gary Chapman, um, the love and respect author, Erickson. Have you guys ever heard of Dr. Erickson? Really good stuff. In fact, I just started following him on Instagram a few weeks ago. And it's so amazing. He did a poll of thousands of people. I think it was like 10,000 couples. And not, not saved. This is just people on the street. And did, would you believe when asked all the males, right? So it was almost 90%, it was like 88%. It was almost 90% of guys. They said, when in an argument, I feel, and you got all these emotions, right? The one that almost all picked was disrespected. Interesting, it's almost like the Bible knows, it's almost like God knew what he was saying. Almost all the women, same almost the same stat, said, When in an argument, I feel the emotion women picked was unloved. It's almost as if God knows what he's saying in this thing called the Bible. So sometimes, um. And believe it or not, in some, some churches, the emphasis is too much on those first few verses about wives submit to your husbands. But I love what John Bevere and Lisa Bevere teach. We just used their class here uh, a couple months ago. And Lisa Bevere was like, I think the guys got it harder. I think the guys got it more difficult. The guys got to serve and, and care like Jesus does for their wife. The men have to lay their life down like Jesus does. Right? And so sadly though, a lot of guys will actually they'll read that and then they'll use scripture as a weapon. Everybody say it with me, not a good idea. Come on. <laughs> Nobody nudge your husband. I saw that nudge over there. I won't point you out, fifth row, back. I won't point you out. So, um Sermons like this, I, I, as a pastor, I can't just wait till February, okay? Valentine's weekend. To pre- these, these are reminders that we need, come on, because we need healthy homes at Rock of Grace. We need homes that are full of peace and honor. And I want to say, men, never use that scripture as a weapon, okay? Right? Like, you know the Bible says you got to submit to me, right? Let the Holy Spirit say that, Okay? Now, if you've been in church a long time, maybe you have accidentally said that. I said it once. I regretted it. I, I did get my legs put back on. They were they were, had some surgery done. I'm just kidding. Wives submit to your husbands. This is difficult, right? Because sometimes wives are like, "No, really, I know right now." Especially, especially like direction. And and any of you, any of you men, your wife is has a really good sense of direction. My wife is like Sacagawea. She's like north that way. Me, I walk out of the bathroom and I'm lost. This is a true story. And so I have to submit my authority. Often I'll be like, she's like, are you lost, aren't you? I'm like, I'm exploring all the options. You know, she sees me looking around I'm like there's often I pull out of a driveway, out of a restaurant. And, I, and she's like, it's this way. OK, I knew that. And I have to humble myself and admit what I'm not good at, men. Just me and Jason and Brandon, apparently. How many of you men need to admit what you're not good at? Come on. I see that hand, Will. Good job. Right? You need to, you need to take advice from your wife. But yes, there are times. There are times when the two opinions are at odds. You are two different humans. By the way, I, if you don't think God has a good sense of humor think about marriage. I mean, just think about this. He's like Gabriel. I got this idea. You see that guy? He's terrible with direction. She's amazing. She's terrible with money. He's great with math and money. I'm going to put them together. They're going to have to spend every day together. <laughs> they're going to fall in love, and then they're just going to argue about everything. It's going to be great. I call it marriage. <laughs> I mean, God has a sense of humor. How many of you think God has a sense of humor? How many are a little bit different from your wife or your, or your uh, husband? Right? How many of you are very different, right? Very different. And in this, I wanna tell you what I have said to you before, but I wanna say it again. Your home and your marriage is the first place for you to be Christ-like. The first place. That's a good man, Isaac, write that down. I see you taking notes, good job. That better not be a love note. You better be writing down what your pastor's saying. I'll call you out. It's your first place. So you can be demanding or you can be Christ-like, right? You can say, well, I need this and I want that. Or you can say, hey, honey, what would you like? Hey, would you like? And I witness this, you know, talk about our our upbringing shape us. I witnessed this, my dad just... Over my, how many of you guys have ever seen the way Mark dotes over Pam? I mean, she is literally the queen. Like, the minute she wakes up, he's like, what would you like, a muffin and a scrumptum and a cup of coffee? Like, his voice changes even. He, he, and I saw this. So I, I, I got to witness, right, like how to treat your wife in a, in a great way. So let's talk about children. Actually, father. Let's talk about father first. Colossians 3. Does the Bible say anything about that? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. So that they will not become discouraged. What does that mean? That's putting on them a bunch of hoops they can't jump through and and bars that they can't reach. The problem with being a pastor's kid is you 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 learn these verses early. So I remember one day, one time my dad had given me some rules and I said, "Fathers, do not exasperate your children." <laughs> that was a great idea, right? He's like, "I'll exasperate you." Yeah. Um, but, but this is important because as parents, sometimes you can push your kids too hard, okay? So parents, the Bible, what the Bible is teaching you right now is to parent your child in the way that they need parented, in the way that they need parented, because each child is different. Again, how many of you are parents and you know each child is different, right? Some of my children absolutely need... <laughs> Affirmative action. And then other, <laughs> other children, like, I, like, seriously, Ellie, I think, I don't even know if Ellie was born with a sin nature. Like, I just, she just does something slightly wrong, and I look at her, and it's just tears of repentance, you know? And just, she's, so every child is different. How many of you guys know that? So parent them in the way that they need parented, but with patience, with patience especially on the boys, because I, I learned in our trauma-informed care class that the frontal cortex of a male does not form until the age of 25. How many guys explain? That explains a lot of things for those of you that have a boy. Look, Dennis just, like, just had a revelation, right? Yes. Yeah, be patient with them. They're going to do some dumb things. And let's be honest, how many of you, when you were kids, did some dumb things? Aren't you glad your parents didn't kick you out of the house? And no, you know, listen, patient, And if you don't think, listen, God, oh, who said this one time? I thought this was brilliant. I can't remember what what teacher, there's this this pastor, this author said this in a book one time, that God teaches us so much about himself through this ingenious invention of parenting. I mean, how many of y'all have been stretched in your Christ-likeness because of your children? (laughs) Some of y'all put two hands up. Won't put you, won't point you out, last row, white sweater. God teaches us patience through parenting. God teaches us kindness. Don't exasperate your children. Now, some of you are are children in the room, right? Listen to this, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. This is amazing. This is a commandment that comes with a promise. God wants to bless you. Look at this promise that it will go well with you and you have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. So it's a similar verse. Don't try to provoke them. And by the way, I have seen this as a pastor. I have seen parents do this, that are Christians that go to church, that will be too harsh and kind of assert their authority just so they can assert their authority. All right, you, you, I hope you're hearing me. Don't do that, right? If, if, be firm and be clear, but there's a difference between being firm and being hurtful. So we gotta be patient, but be firm. When you set a boundary, keep the boundary, okay? So if that child is four years old and he, he runs the house now, he will run the house when he's 14 and maybe even run away from the house when he's 14. So set some boundaries down, amen? Hebrews 12, Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. Look at this. What son is, is there that a father does not discipline? If you are without discipline, which all receive, then you're illegitimate children, not sons. But furthermore, we had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Shouldn't we then submit even more to the father who disciplines us? For their discipline, our human, our human fathers, lasted just a short time, but he does this for our benefit that we can share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable at the time, but painful. But later on, it yields a painful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. We're talking about the family of God, that the, fam- that the, that the human family has this beautiful picture of who God is. I mean, think about the way God, the way Jesus, right, is this picture of Jesus and the bridegroom and how he lays down his life and serves God the church, serves the bride, yet the bride gives respect to, to Jesus, right? That the Father gives patience, but also discipline when we need it. How many of you guys are thankful for the times God disciplined you? When maybe a life group leader or a deacon or a pastor said, hey, we got to talk for a minute, right? Sometimes we have that, and I want to encourage you just real quick, just two seconds, As a pastor, this is kind of like one of the roles, right? In fact, Paul says, hey, teach, rebuke, uh, you know, guide, and do these things. And sometimes when that happens, the person will just leave, right? And just say, okay, no, no. But it's so beautiful when you say, wait, maybe God is using this pastor to point out something to me that I don't know. Because here's the thing, y'all, we all have blind spots, all of us. We all have blind spots. So God uses a pastor to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And like Timothy says, to rebuke, to correct in love. All right. How about this mother? Proverbs 1, verse 8 through 9. Listen, son, to your father's instruction. Do not reject your mother's teaching. They will be like a garland of favor on your head and pendants around your neck. There are still things that my mom has said that ring in my ear. Isn't that interesting? As a 40-year-old, as a there are still things that I heard as a 10-year-old, words of wisdom that my mom gave me. So moms, listen, you have an opportunity to teach words of wisdom to your children that will guide them. Isaiah 66, a mother comforts her son, uh, so I will comfort you. The point is we all have these unique dynamics. So be aware of the season that you're in. If you're becoming a grandparent or you recently became a grandparent, Take some time with those kids. Take time to be with those kids. Enter and embrace that new season. It is not forever. How many of y'all say time flies really fast, and these opportunities are gone before you know it? So grandparents, take the kids for a week, a month, or a year, (laughs) and give them a date night. I'm just kidding. I just... No, we... All the parents in the house, they're like, oh, I felt the Lord on that. You felt the Lord on that one. Uh, no, really, like my wife and I, we are incredibly blessed. Can you guys, Bob and Joanne, can you wave back there? This is, this is my in-laws. This is the greatest in-laws of all time. Put your hands together. They have the gift of hospitality and many other gifts. And man, she can cook a mean roast. I just had it again a couple days ago. It was amazing. But enter these new seasons and embrace them. Okay? Embrace them. What about the family of believers? Before we touch on that, I want to say this again. You are creating a culture with your words. Okay, before we talk about the family of believers, I want to say this again. Please hear me. This is the third time I've said it. I'm doing that on purpose. What your kids experience when they come home from basketball practice. What your kids hear and feel when they come home from volleyball practice is up to you. You can create an environment of stress and worry and quick tempers and harsh words, or you can create an environment of peace and honor. Amen? All right here. Now, we know from the, the last sermon series, we talked about the thoughts of our heart, right? Become our words. So a lot of times it's, it's God has to deal with things that are going on in our heart. But it, often what's going on in our heart, Jesus said, it comes out of our mouth. And so if you find yourself being harsh, being loud, being quick-tempered, let's change that pattern, parents. Let's change that pattern. And by the way, sometimes take, take grandma's advice. Just take a deep breath. <laughs> I just have a really funny story. Can I just tell you guys, this is, this is what parenting Lucas is like. The other day, Lucas could tell I was mad, and Lucas goes, Daddy, just go, <sighs> let it out. <laughs> He's in his car, so he goes, Daddy, just go, <gasps> let it out. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Phil. Uh, like, Here's some more goldfish, right? <laughs> I don't know if he got that from his daycare, but it was actually really good advice. I needed it at the moment. But parents, you are creating an environment. <laughs> he says some funny things, doesn't he? He says he has a really big vocabulary. Like any, any word that he's ever heard, he understands it and can say it in context. It's amazing. I'm going to invite my wife up here. We're going to talk about our adoption story. So give your hand uh, or give, your hand, give a hand to my wife, the lovely, the one and only Danielle. So I'm going to throw a couple pictures up here um, before she shares. This is, this is Lucas. And uh, she's gonna tell, talk to you guys about our adoption journey, but I wanted to show you a couple pictures so you can just picture who we're talking about. We got him when he was only one day old, two days old. And this is, man, he was, he was awesome. He's so cute, so beautiful. This is Mollet Face. This is last year. Loved Mollet Face. That's Selah. They've been great with him. And he is a man of his own will. So, you know. Danielle, I didn't show Danielle that picture before I put it up there because she would have said no, and I'd rather just put it up there and deal with the consequences. But um, she's like, let's get past that. The media team's like, just keep going. This is all of them. This is our four biological girls. So some, most of you know them. If you don't, that's Sayla, Ellie, Eva, Eden, and Lucas. And so we're going to put up a, uh, one more picture of the three pictures of him in a row. Yeah. And I'm going to let Danielle tell you a little bit about what God did in our lives through adoption. And from this, we're going to learn the Father's heart for people.
1: So, um, I'm not much of a speaker, but I figured I can talk about how much I love Lucas. So, God, it started out with us saying yes. Jordan's like, teaches about foster care and our initiative, that every, every child is loved and mattered. And so, as he's encouraging you, I'm like they can do it. That's not for us. We already have four kids. Our family's crazy anyways. And so that wasn't, we thought about it doing it in the future. But in the meantime, at the word foster care or adoption or the fatherless or orphans, Jordan and I would cry at the drop of a hat. So we knew like, oh goodness, God, what are you doing in us? Like you're doing something. So we Said yes, and that was the start of our journey. And God has orchestrated everything. Um, We said yes. And I like to
0: say, Carrie and Jeremy were a very, very, very big part part. of that. They just kept bringing beautiful kids over. They had a little (laughs) kid
1: named Alexander. And when this kid stared at us, it was like love. What? Pure love. What are you doing? And like we're like, we'll take him. He's going up for adoption. So we actually wrote a letter to the judge. Not
0: we. She. Okay. Uh, I told her it's going to be candid. Now she wrote a letter.
1: I wrote a letter to the judge of Ashtabula and sent our picture. And I said, we're not certified yet, but we would love this, to have this little boy. Like, I think God just put something in his eyes. Anyways, that was the starting point of us saying we want to do this. So we got, long story short, we got certified. Three months later, uh, we get a phone call. and We were at a
0: pastor's retreat. Yes. Tell them that part because that's a beautiful piece. Yeah.
1: We were at a um, pastor's, uh, Jordan was leading worship for the AG pastor's event at Kalahari, and I was playing uh, keys. And it was the last night of the event, and I get a phone call, and like, who answers their phone while you're playing keys? By the way, I told her, we're
0: going to tell this like we do at the dinner table. Never in my life has. The keyboard player, especially my own wife, just took a call and just walked off the stage. Yeah. I'm lo- like, this is all the pastors in Ohio, y'all. There's literally like, like 900 a- people and they're all leaders. And my wife's like, hello, you know, is my laundry done? Like, I'm like, what, what are you doing? I was not going to lie. I was annoyed. I was in the spirit. And next thing you know, I'm like, I was in the flesh
1: fast. So, I was like, "What okay. is? She, what is she doing? So let's get back. Okay, so here we are. I'm just saying it like it is. This so is happened. I saw it was the agency, and the agency will move on to the next family. And so I was like, i got to take this phone call. So as I'm literally walking off the stage, uh, a girl named Paris Yano, she runs the Father Heart Ministries, starts praying for the fatherless and the orphans. And I'm like, what? What? I think this is yes. And Carrie always told me, you will know if it's yes or no. And I was like, No. Nope. I don't hear from the Lord like you hear from the Lord. I don't. I, I. don't know if I'm gonna know. Well, anyways, that happened, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is God." So we um we leave that event and go straight to the Trumbull County agency because the baby had already been released to the hospital. I mean, from the hospital, and was waiting for the agency at the agency. So we pick him up, and um. So that's just one of the many stories how God orchestrated everything.
0: And by the way, that feeling when she walked. So our car was full of music equipment behind all the kids. I mean, just packed to the brim. And so we get home and she had to go pick them up separately because the car was so full. And I can't tell you the the amount of love that filled our hearts. Like when he entered our home, I mean, us and our, our four girls just fell in love with this little baby. As if, as if she had just birthed this baby. I mean, it was just like, our, our children coming home, which is this supernatural thing that God does.
1: So um, before foster care, a year, I'm going to go back a year before foster care, we um, got prophesied over that our family tree would be forever changed. Yeah. And, well, J- Jordan has three sisters and four daughters, and which leaves, there's nobody to carry on the Beal name. And so... We went back to that word and we're like, oh my goodness, Lukey's going to carry on the Beal name, which is just incredible. So God ordained him to be in our family. So he's ours. So this is the part that I want to get to. If for one moment, I cry every time I think about this. If for one moment, Lukey ever thought that he was less than a Beal or less than or not worthy, it makes me sad. And so I was watching at my parents' house. I was watching Um, Lucas play with his sisters and his cousins. And I thought to myself, when he grows up, like, what if he feels less than because he's not blood? And I felt like the Lord say, Danielle, do you know how many times you felt less than or that you felt like you weren't a child or worthy? And I felt like the Lord was like, that's how I feel. Like, and so to you guys who are feeling like shame or less than, he doesn't want any of it. Like, he died for that. Like, and so It's like Satan, here's the deal. When we live in that as not a child of God, we can't give to others because it's all about us. We think about shame, guilt. But when we live in the freedom as a son or daughter, we live in that, and his identity becomes our identity. His heart becomes our heart, and then we can give that to others. Um, Then I can tell, Jason, you are fully loved and then you can act just like the disciples making disciples. So once we come, God wants us to come into that as fully loved, fully accepted, no shame, no guilt. And one last thing, I would literally take, I would die for Lucas. And so that's how God feels. He already died for us. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus.
0: Amen. I think I need to give her the mic. <laughs> she just drops the mic and walks up. Mic drop. Do you want me to just stay on this one? I'll just switch. Awesome job, honey. God loves us so much. I'm trying to think if I could put it into right words, the dream you had about losing Lucas at the airport, about how you looked for, how you were searching for him. Um, when, when you, she had this dream, like searching for Lucas, he's lost, and the, the, when she woke up, this, this revelation of God's love, is so great for you and for all the lost. For all all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I, I hope you heard what she said a minute ago. If you feel lost, you feel far from God, you feel like you you should just hide in your shame because you're not worthy of God's love. Maybe you feel like you grew up in the wrong house, or that you don't deserve to be in a church like this that you don't deserve, that it's not, it's not who you are. Yes, you are loved. Yes, you are worthy of love. You are worthy of the Father's love and affection, affirmation. He wants to adopt you. He wants to give you his last name. And in preparing for this sermon, I, I went into my, my iCloud in the, in the files and I found his adoption paper and i just wanted to reread it because it's so it's so powerful when it talks about like one of the last lines it's like therefore from this point forward he will be named lucas leroy beal there's a change of identity come on everything that the father listen <clears throat> if i if we were to suddenly pass away right what i have my any belongings I have. It's not like, oh, because he's adopted. No, equally. All the children are, are loved, all equally the same, all. He's a Beal, just like Ellie's a Beal. Lucas is a Beal. And God has a specific calling and, and a uniqueness in you. In fact, I wanna further the story for a minute. Will had prophesied to to Lucas when he was just a little baby that he would have a kingly anointing. And months later, God prompted Danielle to look up his name. Well, his middle name, Leroy, means the king. Come on, somebody. Don't you think God has plans for his life? But I want to tell you, God has plans for your life. And you might say, well, I, yeah, but Pastor Jordan, you don't know the house I grew up. It was, it was so dysfunctional. Listen, God the Father loves you so much I can't put into words. Just like Danielle was just trying to say, there's, there's nothing, she said, there's nothing I wouldn't do, right, to, to save him. I would give my life for him. I love him. There's, I, I want him to know how fully loved he is. And God wants you to know how loved you are. See, his perfect love drives out the lie of shame. Shame. The lie of shame is there's something wrong with you and you need to hide from God and you need to hide any weakness or sin or bad feelings, bad thoughts, bad actions, regrets. You need to hide that from others, that's shame. But when we come before the Lord honestly and we say, Father, I I am a mess, but I need you. I need to feel safe at home. I I am lost. I am away from home. I don't know where I belong. And you need to know who you belong to. If that's you this morning, I wanna ask you to come to the Father. I want everybody to bow your heads. This response time is twofold. First, if you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. You see scripture, says in Hebrews 9-11 through that Jesus is our older brother. He creates a way to the Father. In fact, did you know the way Jesus describes God the most is Father? There's all kinds of ways that Jesus could have described God, but do you know the attribute or the role that he uses the most, way more than anything else, is father. There's a reason for that. We are all born, and psychologists will tell you, irreligious people will tell you, we are all born with an innate need for affirmation from a father. It's been studied over and over and over and over that every single person has an absolute craving to be loved by a father. Yes, a mother. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not diminishing that. But there's a reason that you, 90%, it's over 90% in the prison system have no father. We need the affirmation and the love of our father to be adopted, to know that we're truly his. And I want you to hear me. I love what Tim Keller says about this. He, he was teaching on Deuteronomy where if God says to the people of Israel, I love you because that's who I am. In other words, I love you because I love you. But why do you love me? I love you because I love you. And so you might be here and you say, yeah, but I I haven't behaved. I haven't earned, no, I haven't been good enough. And you can come up with all the reasons that you should stay away from the Father's house, away from home. But I wanna tell you, he's inviting you, he's inviting you to come home and to let him adopt you, let him love you, let him forgive you of your sins, let him take off the robe of shame and put on a robe of righteousness. All of that is possible because your older brother Jesus went to the cross for you. All of that is possible because God's only son left the perfection and the adoration of heaven And Philippians says he humbled himself, not considering himself equal with God, but humbled himself to the point of death on a cross so that you could be united with your father, so that you could be adopted, so that you could be forgiven, so that you, your future could change, your name, your identity can change. So if you need forgiven of your sin, you need Jesus to forgive you of your sin and you want the Father to adopt you, would you raise your hand nice and high? And I wanna pray a prayer with you. And it's the beginning of the first step of the rest of your life. It's the most important decision you could ever make is to say, yes, I wanna serve Jesus. I wanna repent of my sin and I wanna be a child of God. Awesome, I see that hand. We have one person, all of angels, all of heaven is rejoicing right now, Scripture says. Is there anybody else? Father, thank you. Anybody else? I want to give you another minute. All right, I want to do what I like to do in these moments is, can we all pray the prayer of salvation with this young lady? Can we all do that? Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me despite my background, despite the lie of shame, despite the way I I lower my head and the time I haven't believed in myself. I believed a lie that I wasn't worthy, but you call me worthy of love. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting to adopt me. Thank you for calling me your own. I receive your love today. I invite your spirit into my heart. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me, for dying in my place, for rising to new life so that I can rise to new life. Thank you for making heaven my home. And no matter how hard life gets here, I know where I'm going there. The perfection of heaven. To worship you with the rest of my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name. Can we just first give God a shout of praise for the salvation? Come on. I want you to stand to your feet, because this next part is for all of us. I want to read this verse, Ephesians 2, verse 12, actually 16, verse 16, that God would reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You know there was hostility between you and God? And the cross removes the hostility. He came and he preached peace to you while you were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him... We both have access in one spirit to the Father. Everybody says with me, both. I'm going to challenge you right now. That includes the neighbor whose dog is peeing in your yard. Him too. It includes the coworker who's difficult. By the way, fun fact, he or she won't be as difficult if she becomes a child of God. Some of you like, what? <laughs> yes. people. God loves each person so uniquely, and if we could just see them the way he does. So that's why I want to pray over you before we go today. Can you just bow your heads? God, I pray over Rock of Grace that we would see people the way you do, that we wouldn't preach at them, but we would talk to them that we would see them as an adopted, about to be adopted child, fully loved and fully known. In fact, put your hand on your heart if you want to be forgiven for sometimes being harsh with people, right? And judgmental with people and not understanding that someone who's not a child of God does not act like a child of God. And for some of us, that's a revelation right now, right? That people who are not a child of God will not act like a child of God. We behave according to what we believe and who we are. So God, help us to see people the way you see them. Father, give us your heart so that, like Danielle said, like in that dream, that if they were lost, if it's our child, that we would go frantically looking for them. You are frantically looking for your children. You're frantically searching You are filling your people, your sons and daughters with the Spirit of God to empower us to tell others about you, to empower us to invite lost into the family.